we're in a series on our finances, and uh, we're in a series called In God We Trust, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. So if you go to page number 803 in that Bible there, uh, pull that Bible out that's on your seat. If you are new today or you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you. If you um, are here each and every week, then you can just lay that on the, uh, on the seat on your way out. Uh, but this is so you know that we're talking about things that, uh, that are in there. <laughs> They're in the scriptures. They're not, I'm just not making this stuff up. Uh, so we want to walk through that together. We're going to be in Matthew 6. going to be page 803 and 804 today. In the, in the normal trajectory of a, of a follower of Jesus, a life changed by Christ, there's going to be a moment where you are not so much in consumer mode where, where things are pouring into you, but things begin to pour out of you. There's going to be a moment for you to be grateful and, and just, like, just thankful for all that God did in you. It's, it's a normal thing, like literally from the inside out. It's like going to pour out of you into, the, into the, the areas around you, into the surroundings around you, into the different things that are, that are going on. It's going to be normal for you to do that. And it happens through all different sorts of things. Uh, but one of those ways that we begin to express our overall gratitude uh, with all that Jesus has done for us is through giving financially. That's a, that's a, a next step for us as a church is through giving financially. So why is that? It's one of those things that we begin to, like, you know, it's, it can be kind of difficult to grasp or maybe be thoughtful. Maybe we just wish we didn't talk about it at all. I'm kind of on that boat, right? I don't know if you are. Uh, but, man, I just wish it would be easy. It's just easier not to talk about this stuff. But I think this is such a major discipleship issue. And so we begin to, to, to flesh this out and tease it out because it's ultimately what the scriptures are, are going to be moving us towards. And so the first week that we were hanging out together on this topic, we learned that trusting Jesus, that your, that your, that your relationship with money doesn't start with a budget, it starts with trust. And so the ultimate question when you're handling your finances, the ultimate question you're trying to answer is who do I trust more? Do I trust me or do I trust God? And then after you answer that question, you're going to say, okay, if I trust God, then I'm going to handle my finances the way that he tells me to. So I'm going to move down a financial path that, that is wise and ultimately glorifies God before all things. But then this, this ultimate thing that happens is we have to be able to structure that in place. We have to be able to say, God, you are the center of our entire existence. You're the center of our entire lives. And, and we have to get that structured in a, in a way that proclaims his glory before all things. God owns everything, right? We have to start there. If he doesn't own everything, he doesn't own anything, right? And we have to start there as a church when it comes to our relationship with our resources, that he owns it all, and he gives it to us. He entrusts it to us to watch over, and we have to do with it what we would in a way that gives him glory and acknowledges him over everything. And so the way that we structure that together, and one of the ways that just keeps it all structured together is through planned percentage-based giving, all right? It's through planned percentage-based giving. That's a really, like, I, want, I really want to make sure that we acknowledge that together because that's a massive next step for many people in the New Testament. You go, we, I, I wish we could have like a whole, how many would love to do a series on finances for an entire year? No, no, nobody would, yeah. Um, but there's enough in the New Testament to actually talk through that, that ultimately there's a, there are moments in people's lives that as they're following Jesus, one of their big next steps is to give something, is to give resources 
so that they can acknowledge the praise of, of the creator the one, and, and acknowledge the one who owns everything. Like that's a, a big step. So one of the ways that we keep Christ at the center of our finances, but just our hearts, not just our finances, but our hearts. It's an amazing thing when you start to journey down this, and, you get, and we're going to get to this in a second, but you begin to test God here. You will see that he's faithful even in this. And it's an amazing thing. There's stories after story after story. We've been teaching this now for a few years. And, and immediately, as soon as I started talking about it a couple weeks ago, I mean, I got like eight people right out of the gate giving me testimony of God's faithfulness in this area. And I think you know to be true. But here's how I know this to be true. Here's this little statement. Here it is in, in, in Luke. Jesus tells this story. In Luke 24, he says, While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. And so I really want us to, to, be, to track on this this morning. Many times when you start talking about finances, you start to think amounts. You, try to th- you think total amount. What's the total bill? What's the total debt? What's the total whatever? How much do I have in there? You begin to think through that. And I would love if we could begin to shift our thinking from away from totals to percentages. Percentages. Because when you begin to think percentages, it doesn't matter how much you have. It matters what those percentages look like. And so what, what, what do you think Jesus is noticing here? What, what's he pointing out? It's a percentage issue, isn't it? Like, like say she, she poor she has she given everything. Like, so she gave like two pennies, essentially, was the amount in the first century. And Jesus is noticing that. He said, man, that was like 100% for her. Sometimes as a church, we get stuck on like, well, a tithe is 10%, and you got to do it on the gross and the net, and you got to do it this, and you got to multiply by three, and then you got to divide by the dividend, and you got to, like, you can do all this math by all this stuff. And really, Jesus, is, he's just noticing, like, dude, that's 100%. She gave 100 and they gave maybe half of 1% of their surplus. And he's pointing out the fact that there's a percentage problem here. There's a percentage problem here. And that the center of your heart will ultimately be shown through, and I believe this really specifically about our context. We have a primarily middle-class suburban context. I believe this matters more in our context than maybe it does in some other areas. One of the major ways that we keep Jesus just at the center of our heart is if we let him be the center of this really intimate issue. I really believe that. I see more freedom in, the, in, this, in, in our middle-class suburbs when people finally just surrender their finances to who Jesus is. We begin to see new life in new places. It's an amazing, an amazing thing. And so here's what I think more than anything when it comes to giving, specifically for someone like the poor widow here, is that giving does not proclaim my worth to others Giving proclaims Christ's worth to me. If there is one thing, if there is one thing at the end of the day you had to be known for, right? If there was one thing that we had to be known for, would this be it? Like if we just had to figure out my faithfulness to God, if I just had one metric and this was the only one, what would it look like? What would it look like? Because at the end of the day, and this is not just a, I, I, I just hear my heart here. This is, I want to tease this out because ultimately I believe, just like Jesus teaches, that where your heart is, there your finances are. And we don't struggle with talking about money in certain ways because we don't struggle about the things that we worship. 
And I just so badly want Jesus, not to, I don't want something from you here, I want something for you. I want Jesus to be the center of your heart. And this is one of the major metrics that you can tell that. Is Jesus at home in you? Are we tracking this morning? Yeah, we good? And so, so ultimately what we do is we practice three types of giving at Community Covenant. Sometimes people say, you don't take an offering, right? How many noticed that? Right? Three of us. Great. Awesome. <laughs> That's encouraging. Um, we don't take an offering, right? We, we, want to, we want this to be so normal for you, so personal to you. We don't want to ever let you be under compulsion here. We just want to teach you how to live a life that's surrendered to Christ. And so we do giving boxes, and like, there's one in the back, there's one on the other side of the door, and you know, we just changed them recently, and people were like, how do I give? Like, it's, <laughs> they look different, I don't know. And so there's, there's three of them out in the lobby, two of them in the lobby, one in the worship center here, because we, want, we don't want this to be something where we're like, hey, you need to do it and we need to send letters home. Like how many love those letters, right? And send another bill from the church. We don't want to, we're not doing it. We don't do that stuff. Why don't we do that stuff? It's because we believe this is deeply personal to how you worship. It's not about a personality. You're not giving to Pastor Brandon. You're not giving to the certain people that you like. You're not giving just to put the, the lights on. You're, what you're doing is you're worshiping Jesus, okay? And we need to know that for the longest time, I viewed this as a bill, and it was never something that provided me spiritual growth because I looked at it as a bill. But when I realized I, I'm actually worshiping Jesus at the center of my, and holding him to be at the center of my life, I began to see new things take place. And so that's why we practice three types of giving. The first one is a tithe. In Malachi chapter three, this is what it says. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only time, Right? that God says this in the scriptures. And so a tithe is the first 10%, right? I already said this last week. If you're like, in, unintentionally, statistics show that you unintentionally give one to 2% of your finances to nonprofits or charities. And I'm saying if the best way to start on this journey to let Jesus be the center of your finances is just intentionally giving 2%. Just in, decide to give 2%. We're gonna get to that next week. But decide to do it and watch how God begins to let it grow and then build off of it from there. But this is what he says. This is what I love, is that this verse is in the Bible, isn't it? Thank you, I'll be here all day. Like, I love that joke. Like this verse is in the Bible. And we love celebrating things about his presence towards us and, and going to heaven um, and being with our loved ones and, and being with Jesus upon death. Like we love celebrating that stuff, but this one we, we, we kind of scurry away from. But God's saying, hey, would you try it? Could you just try it? And to, to, you know, don't have to be crazy. Don't have to be crazy about it, but just try it. Intentionally do this. Say, all right, God, see if you can, let me see if I can outgive you. Let me see if I can outgive you. I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it. And I think if we can start there as a church, this is not going to be a financial issue. We're going to have hearts of worship. All right, I want you to hear that from me as your pastor. Gosh, I don't want something from you as much as I want something for you is that when you get this straight, you worship more. You're thankful more. Your things begin to, to free up in your life and in your heart and in your soul. Like things begin to break open because you're not holding on to the one area that Jesus doesn't have control over, okay? So he says, try it. Put me to the test. See if you can outgive me. And he says, I don't know if you can. 
So we're going to start with the tithe. The second one is an offering. This is anything above that, uh, that tithe. And so Matthew 23 says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? So basically he's talking to people like me, like the, the, the church leaders of the day. He said, you hypocrites. That's always encouraging, right, when you open the Bible and Jesus is calling you a hypocrite. It says, for you care, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the important aspects of the law, justice and mercy and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. This is what I love. Jesus is just expecting the tithe to happen. He's like, all right, you're just going to give a base percentage of your income because you're going to worship me. I own it all. You are stewarding it on my behalf, and, and he's just expecting this. Then he's saying, okay, but you, you literally, they would, like the Pharisees would like count out like the, little, like the little time, little pieces of time off the stem and make sure they were giving a tenth of that. How many would love to do that on Thanksgiving morning, right? Just like while the Macy's Day Parade is going on, you're counting out little time leaves and making sure Jesus has what he has. He says, no, you, you're careful to do all of that, but you, you're forgetting the more important things. Like There's a lot of stuff. This is why I think Jesus wants so much freedom in our finances is because he's given it to you for you to participate in his mission. He's giving you resources to say, hey, could you do, this, could you do, with, do, do something for me with this? I want you to participate in your context in ways that blows people, that blows people away. I want, you to, I want you to be a generous body so that people can see what I'm like. I want it to, do, to be done through you. This is why it's so important that God's people handle God's money the way he's asked us to because ultimately we are stunted in our ability to show him what others what he's like when we don't have this together. And so it's an offering. The next one is an exceptional gift. Look at Mark 14. It says this. Uh, that next slide there. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Like they literally, that, that word in Greek means they flip tables over, right? Um, how many have done that at dinner time late, lately? No, no one's done that. Why waste such expensive perfume? They asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. Look, they're referencing what Jesus just said in Matthew 23. Like, like this could be something. So they scolded her harshly. Look at this next part. Jesus just comes into the rescue here. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Are we not talking about it 2,000 years later? Right? Why? Because she took this perfume that was one year's wages. I want you to think about how much you make in a year. and you spend that on one bottle of perfume. That's awkward in the middle class of America. That's a really hard little interaction there. You're gonna take your yearly income, buy it something, and you're gonna give it to Jesus. That's a very real next step for someone in the Bible. Can we, can we just get on the same page that this doesn't have to be an awkward thing, but this could be a real meaningful sense of worship for people? 
for us as a church that we could actually look not at our, we could say, you know what, God, you, you have all of me. You have all of me, even this one. And Jesus isn't saying like, hey, man, you got to give me a year's wages today. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying, just trust me. Can you just trust me? I've, I, can, can, we work, can we do this together? And that's why giving doesn't proclaim your worth to anybody. Giving proclaims Christ's worth to you. And so we want to walk through Matthew 6 pretty quickly here this morning just to say, okay, why do we give? Why is giving so important as, an, as a next step for a follower of Jesus? Why is giving so important for us to, to really worship Jesus? Why should this be a normal part of our worship? Why should this be something that we are so used to? Um, and, and, and we see this in Matthew 6, 19. This is what Jesus says. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break it and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break it and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Don't they have... Uh, don't they plant or harvest or store food in bards? For you, your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory does not, uh, has, uh, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that, that here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And I think someone needs to hear that today. Your heavenly Father knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Your heavenly father knows your needs. He knows them. And so why do we give? First reason we give is to reverse the flow of greed. Reverse the flow of greed. It's so easy for us as Americans to just be consumers. So easy. Giving is one of the major ways that we say, no, I'm not a consumer. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm just going to reverse this flow. I'm going to take care of this right now. I don't think that this is going to work out to be the best if I'm just always consuming. I need to reverse the flow of greed. And that's why, that's why it says here, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. So don't do that. That's not the best way to live life is to be, be, be like essentially collecting everything. A friend of mine will say, man, man, like a lot of our stuff will, grow, will, will end up in the dump, won't it? And so what Jesus is protecting here is he just doesn't want your heart in the dump. He just doesn't want your heart in the dump. He says, reverse the flow 
of greed. And there's a sim- the simple law of uh, displacement really will, will help us here. How many love food color illustrations? Come on now, somebody, right? Woo, right? Isn't that fun? All right, so hopefully I don't end up on YouTube for anything crazy right here. Hopefully no one's recording, except for our recording. Um, here's the deal. God had a great plan for us, and sin broke it. And we've been fighting that battle for the longest time. You know your fight with sin. All the ways that we rebel against God, all the ways we can't save ourselves, and yet we trust Jesus because he died, he resurrected, because he's good and has given us his goodness, we now can be right with God again and live the life we were created to live. That's what he says. And so what we have is just the effects of sin, and there's different disciplines and different things that we can do to help make sure that the battle with sin is won consistently in our life. Jesus already like, broke the curse and the longest time, we were just slowly becoming more and more and more like him, right? And so what ends up happening is giving be- becomes one of those things to say, hey, I don't want, you know, even in the times when, when it just seems boring to follow Jesus, even in the times that just things are taking over, I just really want this to happen. So, so what we're doing is when we give, it's like, we're, it's like we're taking like new fresh water and we're pouring it into our lives. Now here's the deal, is when we begin to do this, the, the blue's not going away, is it? Right? You know what it actually takes for this little thing? It takes four, I'm going to let you trust me on this answer right now because this is, like, it actually takes four times the amount of water to displace just that little bit of sin. It takes four times the amount of water just in this little thing. What would it look like I mean, that's fresh, clean, life-giving water. It takes four times the amount of it in order to change stuff that's going on. How much more true is that for us in our life? And it's not just about giving, but discipleship in general. To become more like Christ, we really need an influx of God's life-giving, sustaining water in us. And it's not even done yet. In our whole life, we're constantly taking step after step after step. And this is just one way that God says, you know what the best way, you know what the best way to make sure that he stays at the center of your heart? Like it's the most tangible way is consistently giving. It's one of the major ways. You have plenty of solitude, plenty of chair time, plenty of all that fun stuff that we begin to build a structure around our life so that we can become more like Christ that we track in this morning. We give to, to reverse the flow of greed. We, we give to become more like Jesus. This is what he says. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can serve one or the other. And he doesn't say God and the devil. Isn't that, doesn't that drive you nuts? That's, that drives me nuts. He doesn't say God or the devil. He doesn't even say God and you. He says God and money. And you become more like Jesus. The story of the Bible hinges on a God that sends Jesus to us in the most generous thing ever. He didn't see heaven something to be grasped, he says. He, like, he, he gave up his rights of heaven. And I guarantee you, we, no one has ever given up a right as big as that one. I mean, isn't right such a major part of our cultural conversation today? I got this right, I got that right, I got this right, I got that right. It's my right. 
man, and you know, Jesus is the, the first one to say, I'm just going to give those up for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your life. He says, when you give, when you become more like Christ, you, like it's built into you who you are. And you are becoming more like the person you were created in the image of. And so you are built into you. You're, you're, you're engaging with something that literally is at the DNA of who you are. That's why it's so much better to give than it is to receive. That's what the scriptures teach us. It's so much better. Why? Because you're engaging with who it is and what it means to be human. The better way is to be generous, isn't it? How many of you have ever been in a fight with your wife or your, your husband? Don't raise your hand, right? Don't lie in church, right? What is the first thing? Like, many times that first break in the fight is the first person that's a little bit generous to say, you know what, I'm sorry. That's my fault. It's the first person that breaks that. And it's essentially what you're doing with giving. Like it's, you're you're ex- exercising this freeing, this life-giving generosity. It's much better to be generous. It's much better to live that way in life. And that's what you're practicing when you give. So you want to become more like Jesus. And he says that the third reason why we give right from this text is to help us trust Jesus. 625 through 30 says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. How many have you have looked at your bank account this morning and thought, what am I going to do? Right? Or you've looked at your, they said, I wish there was more in there. I mean, that's what I do most days, right? I'll be, be real. I'll be the only one real this morning, I guess. Like, I just wish there's more in there. <laughs> I don't know what I can do to get more in there. Spend less, right? Thanks. I know. But don't worry about your life. Corey Ten Boom has this incredible quote. He says, worry doesn't uh, empty today of, of your worry. It, empt- it empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of, its, of your worry. Like, it doesn't release you of your fears. It just it makes you paralyzed. And Jesus' invitation for you today is he makes a better, trustworthy God than you. That's just, just like the reality for, for us as people. And so the the thought is, man, he's going to help us trust him more. And so there's story after story after story. And I'll tell you just this. I mean, I've already had eight or nine people, like I said, come up to me and say, this is what happened. When I tested God in this or when I started giving God to God, what what was his? I I had money show up in my mailbox, right? who, Who has that story, right? God, give me three or four people. Yeah, look at, we got people here. It happened. It happens. It's weird. Don't ask me to explain it for you. I mean, it's like the worst sales pitch ever. I don't know how it works. <laughs> this is what he says. This is what he says. And it's awkward. It's kind of like an awkward conversation to have in public. You're just like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do with your money? And honestly, I believe this is, if you want to start to pray for one differently, this area might be one of the life-changing ways that you get the attention of your friends. What do you do with your money? I just was at the Apple store yesterday and uh, was, was doing a repair uh, for one of our stuff. And, and, the, and I, the guy was talking to me, he's like, oh, you know what? Um, I, don't, I don't like to put the phone on, like a, I don't like to put the phone on a, on a monthly payment plan. I like to live like no one else today so I don't live like anyone else tomorrow. I said, oh, do you listen to Dave Ramsey? <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, every day, every day. Why? Because that, it's, it captures the heart of people. Whether you believe in Jesus here or not, you know money. And I promise you, Jesus says, if you do it my way, 
you can't outgive me. I will make sure your needs are met. You know what's so funny too? Sometimes not your needs are met, your wants are met. That's what's weird. I don't want to be, I don't want to be weird about it, but that's what happens sometimes because Jesus cares about it. Don't, don't, don't trust me in it. Don't trust me in it. You trust Jesus. Test him in it. Test him in it. I'll stand here and say the awkward things in public so you don't have to. And ultimately, you can do that. I, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. My dad's upstairs. You can, you, he, can, he can vouch for this. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in high school, I was just in a pattern to give two, 20 bucks a week. 20 bucks a week. I did, and I had a job for like 11 weeks or something like that. That's a different story. I didn't have the best work ethic in the world. But <laughs> 20 bucks a week, I gave, I gave, I gave, I gave, I gave. And there was enough money for me to get my first car and all this weird stuff. And it came out to the exact amount that I gave. I don't, I'm, this is not a prosperity message. Hear me when I say this. This is a worship message. We don't expect anything from God. We thank him for who he is. That's what we do. And he says he will 100% meet your needs. Your father knows what you need. Your father knows. And I don't know what you came in here today with. It might not be a finance issue. It might be a relational issue. It could be a, number, any, it could be a fit, psychological issue, a mental issue, a health issue. I don't know what it is, but your father knows. And someone in here today needs to hear that. So here's the deal. Right now, on average, about 2% of Protestants actually give to the local church. 2%. 2%. There's a lot of things that happen but one of the first things that happens, way more than anything that we do, is we have a heart that's based off Christ, that's set on him, that's centered on him. Way before a dollar gets spent, Jesus gets acknowledged. Way before a dime ever gets spent, Jesus gets worshiped. And you wait and see a, a, a church that has no realm of their life withheld from Christ. They might just become an only God church. And I believe this to be true. I don't want something from you, man. If you left here today, if you leave here today thinking that, I just want you to, I want you to have increased faith that God is who he says he is. And no matter where you're at, this is a better way to do your finances than your way. And that's my plea to you today. Not something from you. If you don't, if you know, talk to me afterwards. I'll figure something out. I really do want Jesus to be the center of your heart. That's what we begin to do together as a church, amen? This is the last point for all you type A people because you're all freaking out right now. You're like, wait a second, no. It's on unleashing blessing. It's unleashing blessing. He says, seek first my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom. Our culture, our culture, not only will our hearts be changed by this displacement idea, but our culture will be too. When you have literally just hundreds of people that leave this place to say, Jesus is the center of my finances, not consumerism, especially as we get ready. I mean, who got the Target thing in the mail last week? Amen, right? When we start to work here, our culture changes because we have people that aren't owned by money and consumerism, but we're owned by Jesus. 
that changes things. And just your simple generosity, your simple generosity will change the way you approach people. It'll change the way you talk to people. It'll change who you are because Jesus is the center of your heart. Not because you give an amount, but it's because he is Lord. And that's what we want to do today. He says, test him. Try it. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a young preacher guy with doesn't wear ties, I guess. Don't take my word for it. Trust Jesus.